Welcome to another episode of Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org, and coming at you live from the guerrilla camp located deep in the heart of rural North Carolina. I am your host, NC Scout, the Commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia, and today I am joined with none other than friend of American Partisan, site advertiser, and frequent guest here on Radio Contra, author extraordinaire, Joe Dolio. What's up, brother? Hey, just hanging out here in the northern FOB, up in the Iceland, uh, making sure everything <laughs> is all safe and secure from those pesky Canadians. Ooh, ooh you know about that, uh, the trucker convoy, what happened to it? Just went away. It did. Um, There's a little bit of brutality by the by the Ottawa police, but they just kind of slunk away. I really thought they would have came back and did it again. Um, but uh, for those who don't know, a lot of the spiciness of it was right here in Detroit, uh, just the other side of the bridge for me. Um, there was some pretty legit pushing and shoving going back and forth. And I mean, there's very few places in America that knows how to throw a riot, especially a labor strike, than Michigan in general. I mean, that between between Michigan and Northern Ohio, like that, that was kind of the genesis of the American labor movement. You know, as far as being applied to manufacturing, you know, so that's absolutely it's huge, man. I mean, and and. Uh, I don't know. I got a lot to say about all that, but, you know, it, it's real funny that war breaks out in Ukraine and all of a sudden we've completely forgot about the American trucker convoy, the freedom truckers, the uh, the Canadian honking, right, where it all kind of kicked off. And you know, so everything. I'll tell you, the American yeah, convoy was right by my house. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, they drove past here the other day honking their horns and. But they're all flying Ukrainian flags. And I don't really get that, but they're all uh, in Indianapolis today, apparently. I don't know. I don't know if they're really going anywhere or anything's really going to come of it. It won't. The media has yeah. already shifted away from it. it. It's 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 a done deal. That, that's the way this stuff works. It, it's, um, you know, when you have NPR and Fox News using the same script, um you know you're being lied to at that point. It, it's just, right. you know, I, I mean, in, in all seriousness, you know you're being lied to. Uh, but there's all kinds of developments coming out of Ukraine. There's all kinds of developments that are coming out uh, out of the region. And I would say that they're going to have a global impact. Of course, uh, coming on the air right now, there is a fertilizer fire or fertilizer plant fire in Yakima. 
and this is coming on just exactly one month after uh, the fire here in North Carolina that took out one of the biggest manufacturers on the East Coast of fertilizer totally as well. Totally Total coincidence. coincidence. Total coincidence, you know I'll tell you, right? Did you see this news? Speaking of, of the spread spreading of things, did you see this news last night that like the Romanian Air Force lost like half their crap to a uh, to weather last night allegedly? Have you seen this whole story? Yeah, yeah. No, I can believe that. Uh, looking at the wreckage, I, I can believe that they flew them into a storm, and it didn't look like they got brought down by enemy fire. Well, here's the thing about that, though. I was thinking about this this morning. So if I'm the, the pilot on a second plane, I'm getting sent out to look for a, another missing plane, right? I get up there. It's just gone off of radar. But I happen to encounter a Russian fighter in the same general area. That's how we get dragged in, right? Another NATO yeah. ally getting the situation with Sweden yesterday, mixing it up in the air with Russian fighters and escorting them out. One yeah. person actually hits that launch button and it's on everywhere. Yeah. No, I mean, you're exactly right. It's there's there's little flashpoints everywhere. And I think that that we're getting close. That Sweden incident, they, there's there's more to that story, man. What in in what you saw? I saw a couple of little blips about it. I was paying attention to a couple of other things uh, that, that were coming out of Ukraine proper. But what did you see specifically that that caught your radar in Sweden? Well, first of all, it was a couple of weeks ago that Sweden deployed like an entire infantry brigade to some of their islands, which I thought was a bit drastic for what was going on. But then yesterday we have Russian planes. It's so hard to not say Soviet. It is so hard. We have Russian planes flying directly over those islands. So that leads me to believe Sweden had a little bit of intelligence about what was going to go on. Um, and then I guess Sweden intercepted them inside their own air, um, inside their actual airspace, not just the ADIZ, but their actual airspace, and then uh, escorted them back out. Um, but I, I don't know, man. It's just, see, there's, there seems to be a lot more to the story that's not coming out. Well, didn't they have an issue with their banking system right after that? Like it, it was a, a a rather complex probing attack where and, and the two and, and the right, first thing this morning, IKEA, um, IKEA can't process credit cards all morning, right? So IKEA opens up, credit cards are down. I, I I don't know. I don't know if they were trying to hit the whole banking system and only got IKEA. I don't know. It's certainly something to pay attention to. There's been a lot of odd occurrences like that that are almost going unnoticed. Maybe, you know, like you and I, as trained observers, as intelligence collectors on the ground, guys who who at least have a little bit of of a clue how to put the pieces together, you know, we see this for what it is. It's part of a larger plan that's coming together. Um other people, though, you know, the passerbys, the drive-by media, uh, as Rush Limbaugh used to call it, they they probably don't see it the, the same way that we do. Um, but all of it is is kind of culminating in somewhere that that's not good. Break down for yeah. us, man. Like what you're seeing, what the the larger picture with Ukraine is, and and where you think that the, it's gonna go 
normally this is one of those things where I'd say, where's it going to go in the next seven days? I'm going to say, man, where, where do you think this is going in like the next three days? All right. So the first thing is, is that everyone in the media is talking about, oh, you know, LOL, the Russians, they got bogged down. They're not getting anywhere. It took us three weeks to get to Baghdad. Let's just remember that. Let's also remember that we stopped the uh, an entire Marine division and forced them to go door to door in Nasiriyah, even though we were going to go right past it because one girl in a reserve unit got lost and captured. So we we don't really have the the high ground here to say you know anything about anyone else getting bogged down. I think Russia is actually on track. Um, I see Kiev getting hammered. I see him getting completely surrounded the next three days, and apparently the artillery is just raining down on it right now. Um, I also see um, those other three battalions of Marines that have been missing for ever since it began. I see them coming ashore in Odessa probably tonight, which it's tonight there right now. So I see that happening. And Odessa is probably not going to be much of a fight for them because I think the mayor of Odessa is already on the Russian side. Yeah. So I see Russia pushing. Uh, I see them pushing all the way to, to the Dnieper River. Uh, in the east, but I also see him taking a land bridge completely all the way from Donetsk and Luhansk all the way across to Moldova. Um, and I'm going to tell you right now, Moldova is the next place to keep your eyes on. So yeah. I, I think they're going to take all of that western or all that eastern half and then negotiate back to just the two independent territories plus that land strip that connects them all the way to Moldova. That's a good assessment. Um, as far as regime change, do you think that they, they're going to, because all wars culminate in a, in a negotiated settlement when you're, you're looking at the, uh, the conflict pyramid, the resistance pyramid, um, do you think that they, they're, they're going to be really pushing hard for regime change? And if so, Absolutely. how do you think the West is going to react to that? Right. Well, the West is already doing everything they can to sabotage what talks are going on, Right. It's, it's kind of silly. Every time they announce talks, the West starts talking about uh, the Western capitals start talking about why they shouldn't be negotiating. It seems really weird to me. But the, the way in which Vladimir Putin couched this and said, hey, I, I'm going to denazify that country. You can't leave Zelensky in charge. Um, if you call a guy a Nazi, you can't leave him in charge. And you know what? Right. Say what you want about Russia attacking Ukraine. Um and, and I catch a lot of heat for this on Twitter because I point it out every chance I get. You can't call Ukraine a liberal Western democracy when they allow openly an entire battalion of literal Nazis to serve in their army and their unit crest is a literal SS uh, flag. So yeah. they've got a problem there they have to address. And it looks like actually the uh, the Russian Marines that came up from Crimea are probably about to solve that for us because – those guys are totally surrounded in Mariupol, and it's not looking like they're going to make it out. So, no, no, you know, and, that's, a, that's that's at least one element of Azov. There, there's another element that's work in Kiev proper. Um, that's the group that I've been tracking specifically. And these guys, you know, to, to underscore what you're saying, I mean, you know, I've caught a lot of heat for this too. I've had some some colorful emails that I could uh, read off air. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna read them on air. Um, especially you know older guys that that came up and 
in the Cold War, and they're just like, ah, I hate the Russians no matter what they do, and you know, whatever. Right. It's like, okay, well, you you got to understand some things, man. You know, the Ukrainians were part of that whole Soviet hegemony as well. Um, you know, there, there's the whole Holomador thing, but that was, you know, that was a long time ago. There's, there's a lot has changed since then. I'm looking at the facts right now as they sit. I'm not right. saying Russia is good by any stretch of the imagination. All right. I am not going to sit here and cheerlead them. I'm absolutely not going to sit here and tell you that a, a first world nation leader who was documented to be murdering uh, political opponents and detractors from his political party is in any way, shape or form good. OK, I, I, that's not what's being alleged here at all. But what I am saying is, is that the side that we are supporting and we have armed is running around liquidating civilians who are trying to evacuate from the area. Uh, as of a battalion in Kiev, there were some videos that surfaced yesterday of them. And, and these were videos. I saw one of these. I've seen enough of this shit in my life uh, to where I don't need to see any more of that. I, I pray that I never have to again. So I just saw the first few moments. I knew where it was going and I cut that crap off. But um, they had a couple of military age males. One of them was a it, it was supposed to be a father and son. And they killed they pulled these guys out of a car. They were trying to get out of Kiev. They pulled these guys out of a car and shot them um for leaving as at considering them defectors look you know yes i'm, I'm, this is I'm how just I, saying there put it well, out and said ah, go ahead i said if, if you're in your neighborhood and the bloods and the crips start fighting are you really going to take a side or are you just going to let them do what they do and stay out of it that's kind of how oh. i feel about this yeah yeah you know, I mean, these, these guys are these guys are, are bad news. They're they're bad for business. And um, when you when when you're letting out prisoners. All right. So let's just home in on on some of the moves that that Zelensky, the, the Ukrainian government under Zelensky has done. Right. When yeah, you let out prisoners easy. and you arm these guys, you know, if you're completely ignorant to uh, Ukraine over the past 30 years, you're not going to be aware of this, but I happen to know people who have uh, immigrated from Ukraine. I know people who kind of know the, side, the the social dynamics of Ukraine. And one of the big factors over there is, is that at the conclusion of the, the Soviet sphere of hegemony, when the Soviet uh, all of the Soviet states were falling and uh, economies were being liberalized and uh, embracing free markets and people were, were becoming free. They were outside of the, the thumb of totalitarianism, at least for a little while. Um, you had a lot of orphans and you had a lot of kids who were being brought up without parents um, because of the, the, the drastically short lifespan uh, that people have. The, the, uh, you, know, you begin to age out in your mid-40s in that part of the world. And this is something that's completely alien to the West. We just don't understand it because there's, there was a fatalism to the communist system there that just, uh, it just wrecked them. It wrecked them socially. 
So, uh, you know, you, you've got all these orphans that are growing up. They, they're growing up absent, a lot of morality. And a lot of these guys ended up in prison. Now, you're going to let these violent offenders out and you're going to give them arms, which is exactly what the Zelensky government did. You can look at that on one hand and say, you know, well, well they're in a desperate fight. All right, man, I get that. But at the same time, now you're you're enabling war crimes. You know, yeah, and, they, they, the, and those uh, guys immediately went back to 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 crime, and they're like, "We're shocked." Right? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. And you know, since you brought up yeah. war crimes, I'm gonna tell you, I caught so much heat on Twitter for this, and and we do a daily show um, called the Council on Future Conflict uh, on YouTube every morning. Uh, it's on the Writers Fix Problems channel. But I've been saying all along, we have to stop sharing these videos of the EPW abuse, right? Uh, yeah, you can't yeah. interview a prisoner of war in a hospital bed. You can't run up and beat him with a belt. You can't allow civilians to beat them. We're enabling war crimes by showing these videos. And and, and I keep telling people, we got to stop that. Second yeah. of all, is these people um, laughing at and sharing these videos of all the looters who are getting saran wrapped to light poles or having their clothes taken and, and left on the street tied up. That's funny. I get it. It's funny on its face. But that's how fast society breaks down. It's been seven days, and now we're yeah, down into what is yeah. technically a lynching, right? It really is no more than lynching. Uh, and we just spent three years in this country screaming and yelling about how bad lynching is, and now we think it's funny. Um, it's a short ride from saran wrapping somebody to a light pole to burning them at the stake. And we have to stop thinking that this is all just – that this is this is a movie, Right. These are real people. This is real life. People are really dying. And um, I get it. Looters are bad people. But we don't publicly shame them and, and tape them to things because sooner or later, people are going to get bored with that and they're going to move on to the next um, the next uh, atrocity and the next atrocity and the next atrocity. You and I have seen it happen all over the world. Yep. Nah, man, that's, you know, I think – I think a big part of that, something very profound, you just said, you know, life obviously is not a movie. And uh, but for a lot of these people that are sharing this stuff uh, that, that's coming out, a lot of people that are sharing this stuff on, on the social media outlets, whether it's Twitter or uh, Reddit or Gab or, or, you know, any of these. Um, you know, man, I, I think for a lot of these people, life has never been real for them. You know, and yeah. and that's a byproduct of being raised on uh, a violent society. I mean, I you know, man, I love action movies as much as the next guy. I mean, you know, I was I, I was born in the eighties, and um, you know, I, I I was raised on all that stuff too. You know, but when you go, yeah, and you I saw Red Dawn. I'm ready to. <laughs> yeah, bro. I mean, but when when you go and live it, it, it's a whole other animal, man. You know, I I know you know, and 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 uh, it, it's. I'm telling you, man. I think it's it's certainly sad. Um, it's a whole other state of affairs when people are cheerleading this kind of behavior on. Um, like I was saying about the Azov Battalion guys, those bad boys. Um. You know, it's really funny, too, to me, how our government picks and chooses uh, what they decide to ignore and then what they decide to grandstand as a moral high ground. I mean, I remember oh, yeah. in the 90s, 
you know, when, when I was, I was kind of a, a, you know, a teenager and, and really kind of coming up when we're bombing the crap out of Syria and t- talking about, you know, how the Sir or uh, uh, Serbia rather, um, I remember when we were bombing crap out of uh, Syria too, that was fast forward a few years, but uh, Serbia and, you know, we're, we're really pushing to the forefront about how, um, you know, the, the Serbs are so bad and they're genocide and the Albanians and, you know, all of this stuff, right. We're, we're picking and choosing. And now all of a sudden, um, you know, we've, we've armed and equipped these Azov dudes. I'm just saying, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you fall on any of this personally, me, like when I'm forced into a dichotomy of thought, um, that's when I start to really ask questions because I'm, I'm probably being lied to by both sides as a critical thinker and a beer drinker, you, you know, you should be asking yourself that too. But, um, mm-hmm. with these Azov guys, man, the stuff that I've seen these dudes do, they just, just those handful of videos alone. And, and there was more than one. Okay. There, there was more than one incident. There, there was a handful and that was just what made it out. Um, if that's, if that's what they're doing and that's the, the kind of crap that we're supporting, you know, I, I'm telling you, wash your hands of it. We we really need to be focused on what comes next here at home. You know, um, well, I'll tell you something. Something big is ahead. coming next. Really need to be focused on that. Yeah. It, I mean, you know, I'll tell you one of the things you talked a little bit about this, but I wanted to bring it back up. Um, these people shooting the videos, the TikTok society and, and Twitter society has gotten people to where they're taking ridiculous risks for social media likes. For example, filming a convoy as you drive by or or filming combat operations as they're ongoing. So I've been saying it since day one. You know, stop appearing at the window with something in your hand, right? Because it's not – they're not seeing the same thing you are. If I'm that 19-year-old in the turret and I look over there and this dude's pointing a camera at me, I don't know that that's a camera. That, to me, it looks like a gun or it looks like a rocket. And they're going to start putting rounds through windows. And guess what? That's exactly what happened yesterday. There was a, or the day before yesterday, there was a news crew in an apartment building and they're setting up their camera in a window. And sure enough, the tank gunner is like, hey, there's somebody up there in that window. Wham, shoots the round into the floor below them. And then there was one with uh, with the Russian Marines down um, down around Kursan. There's a guy there. Um, everyone's talking about, oh, look, they're pointing guns at people and trying to scare them away. That's just horrible. Hey, y'all should have seen people going through Nasseria. We did the same thing. I'm just saying. Yeah. But uh, they keep pointing rifles at this guy, telling him to back up, back up, back up. And the last thing you see is that rifle fire. I'm telling yeah. you, stop doing this, right? It just makes no sense. Well, the other, the other side of that is, man, you know, when we were pushing north, um, you know, during the invasion and, you know, I came along a few years after that, um, you know, kind of cutting my teeth in, in Kirkuk on my first deployment to Iraq. And, you know, here's the thing, man, we, the other, the other thing that Zelensky was doing that I think is he, he's, um, I get the whole, let's arm our people and, you know, we're all in this fight or whatever. Here's the deal. If I put a rifle in your hands, you're a civilian. I put a rifle in your hands and I say, all right, let's go. You know, okay. You might be all about it for, for a little while until things get a little too real, but that's not the point of what I'm trying to say. You're not a civilian at that point. You know, I remember in Iraq, 
rules of engagement shifting between my deployments to Iraq and then Afghanistan was, was a whole other thing. My first deployment in, in, to Iraq, if you saw a guy with a shovel on one of the MSRs or main supply routes, basically a, you know, a, a main highway into one of the urban areas, hey, that's a shovel. He's got a shovel. He's part of an IED emplacement team. And that's yep. just what it was, you know, it, and it was game on, you know. So you're you're talking about you've got a civilian populace out there who is you, you just put weapons in their hands. Now, I get it. OK, the 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 side of me, Second Amendment, pro gun. I'm a firearms trainer. I got a you know, I got a carbine course coming up this weekend. Right. I'm training civilians on how to use their weapons. I get it. But you got to understand that when you are on that two-way range, when you volunteer yourself to be out there, the consequences are real. You don't just get to throw your weapon down. Let's say, you know, you, uh, uh, you know, building that guys are taking fire from gets blown out. You don't get to run in there with the cameras and all of a sudden take pictures and be like, oh, they butchered civilians. Well, yeah. 10 seconds <laughs> before that dude got got blown out by a tank round or, or, you know, a Sabo or whatever it was, had mortar rounds dropped on, on the building. Dude, he, you know, he had a scope on that rifle and, and was given precision fire. Um, you know, I mean the, the, and, and it's only going to ramp up because, uh, the Russians lost a major general today, uh, the commander of the VDV. So this would be like it, us losing the division commander of the 82nd. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty intense. And see, that's the thing. Um, a lot of people try to compare military rules of engagement with law enforcement. Right. So, oh, the guy dropped his gun and ran away. Now, in the military, that's still a valid target because he could be running to a machine yeah. gun position. He could be getting a better tactical advantage on me. Now, that's a valid target. Um, you you, you got to realize they're not the same thing. Right. They're not they're not cops they're not enforcing the law. This, this is a war. And it's just. uh it's getting ridiculous. Like all these people, you know, we encouraged people at the State of the Union to stand in front of tanks and stop them. That's a speed bump, and it's not even a very good yeah. one. Uh, don't do that. It's well, it's playing on whatever morality the driver of that vehicle has. And right. if he, if he doesn't see you, that, that's the other thing too, man. In America. We look at things like, you know, oh, the, you know, humanity and, and we're all human as we should, right? As we should. As Christians, we should absolutely do that. We're commanded to do that. Um, you know, it, it, the underlying the underlying ideology of, of Western civilization is, is at least was at one time was supposed to be that. But when you're talking about you're dealing with with a whole other culture that doesn't care. They don't see one another as human beings. And that's why you, you know, humanity is, has a very different definition in different parts of the world. And, you know, you're talking about a society and culture there that is built on dehumanizing the other. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you're entering dangerous territory. I'll tell you, speaking of that, there was a pretty good development. Um, I said it was when God entered the chat. So a couple of days ago, these videos started to emerge of the Chechens all fist bumping and how they're going to they're going to make this run into uh, into Kiev. And they're, they're going to teach a lesson to the Ukrainians. Right. 
Um, and we all know Chechens have this 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 pretty nasty reputation, and it's well yeah. deserved. They're nasty people. Well, about three hours later, TikTok videos began to emerge of the survivors, and uh, that Chechen battalion was like literally decimated, down to maybe a platoon plus company minus remaining. Um, Yep. Because they got smoked. And one of the guys is on the video going, man, even the trees seem to have rifles. There were rockets coming from everywhere and rounds coming in everywhere. That was God saying, I'm not going to let you heathens get in there. <laughs> it was it was pretty good. Yeah. Well, uh, <coughs> those people all hate each other. And these things go yeah. back thousands of years and it's just getting released. You know what I mean? Well, the, the Chechen conflict, the... <laughs> Man, that that's a complicated one because uh, with with the Chechens, the, they got bad blood with the Russians, but they're fighting on behalf of the Russians and they're highly motivated to do so against the Ukrainians. I think a big part of the reason for that is is the bad blood between um, Imam Shamil, not uh, Shamil in in the uh, uh, Shamil Basiev, who uh, very infamously led the um, the it was a the hospital. Uh, anyway, they led a siege outside yeah. the hospital that they took, and then the Dubrovka Theater was was another operation. But anyway, it goes back that the original Imam Shamil was in the uh, the turn of the 19th century, and he led an uprising in the Caucasus. And he's kind of like the George Washington figure of Chechen culture. I've, I've studied Chechen culture pretty pretty closely because I think it's very fascinating. And kind of the, the breakdown of that entire um, that region of the world between – because, I mean, I've got some ancestors from Armenia, which borders just to the south. You've got Georgia in between, and then you've got Armenia. And um, it, so the, the place is really fascinating to me, how the peoples all broke down, but – Chechnya and Imam Shamil were put down and violently repressed by uh, the army of not just Cossacks, but the Kievan Rus, which the, the mm -hmm. Kievan Rus coming from Kiev uh, was kind of the, the founder of the modern nation state of, of Russia and, and Russian culture really draws on it pretty heavily, which I think is another reason that the Russians haven't just come one you know, gone in and just leveled everything because they actually have a, a lot of respect for Ukraine and, and the Ukrainian culture, maybe. And I, I could be completely wrong about that. Um, it, and, it may very well be, and, and they might just go in and say, okay, you know, we've had it and level everything you know, as we speak. I don't know. Um, but the presence of the Chechens has been very, very fascinating and they certainly have not, at least from what I've seen, they certainly have not um, put up the fight or, or been as effective of fighters as their reputation preceded them. I mean, we, we interdicted a few groups of Chechens um, in Afghanistan who were a training cadre to the Taliban. And I was pretty yeah. impressed by them, their, their, their uh, capabilities as fighters at the small unit level. But um, these guys... Man, I don't know. Yeah, they're bad news all the way around. <clears throat> and apparently there are some fighting on both sides. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Craziness. So bringing this around to, to, a, to a domestic front, 
everyone wants to talk about what's going on over there. But as we keep tightening down the sanctions, Putin keeps warning us that the more sanctions you do, the more I'm going to consider it an act of war. And Lord knows what I can do. Um, I'm particularly worried about about cyber over here. Yeah. Uh, so I'm telling everybody to get your comms plans up to date. Uh, have a no contact plan. Keep your car filled up. Keep some cash on hand. But uh, what what are you seeing as as a potential over here? It's the same thing. I mean, that was why when when we did the cold open, I, I wanted to talk about Sweden a little bit. Was going on with that because, you know, when when we sit back and we evaluate the the potential for uh, enemy activity, you know, as, as you well know, most likely course of action, most deadly course of action. What is the most likely route that they are going to take? What is the most deadly? And right now, right now, knowing that that the Russians kind of have a slow boil to what they do, and and um, you know, having read Suvorov's Aquarium, having read uh, Suvorov's Spetsnaz as well, which you know, long time listeners to this podcast, readers of mine know that you know they they've probably already read it. But um, what I see them doing, you know, is what I would do. I would target the EBT system. I would shut that down or really shut down any sort of credit card transaction. Because when you do that, uh, look at what I think it was in Louisiana a few years ago. Uh, Look at what just an EBT and debit card, credit card, what have you, blackout did in a couple of hours to a Walmart. I mean, that footage is still floating around out there. And, yeah, and look you, at yeah, the pipeline hack did to Georgia. If you can't get yeah. gas in your car, whether Colonial it's from pipeline. Like, yep. Yeah. Just anything I mean, small like that, you're 72 hours away from total chaos. I, I have this this theory called the 72-hour theory, and whether it's the situation yeah. in Louisiana or the situation in Atlanta, once that 72-hour click start clock starts because you can't get gas or you can't buy food um, or both, which is the the scenario we're thinking, um, things are going to start to go really bad really fast, and you're going to see right. looting, you're going to see rioting, and they've already pushed us right to the edge by having everybody at each other's throats. It's nope. it's just it, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it it absolutely is. I mean, we've we've pushed Russia with you know economic sanctions, the crashing of the ruble, and you know they're they're feeling the crunch domestically there. If we don't think that we're gonna get hit back, um, you know, I, I'll just remind the listeners. So we've had two major fertilizer manufacturers go up within thirty days yep. of one another. We have, uh, you know, at least three years before they're going to come back online. And that's being optimistic, by the way. We have Keystone XL, which has been shut down. Domestic energy is really taking a dump. We've got inflation through the roof. Now, when you couple that with the lack of fertilizer and a lack of material good uh, production, man, we're going to have widespread crop failures. I mean, there, this isn't tinfoil hat. This isn't doom porn. This isn't, 
you know, let's all be scared of something, guys. No, this is real. This is economics. Okay, there's a trickle down effect that is happening here and it's beginning to cascade. All right, we still haven't recovered or even began to feel the real effects of what two years of COVID shutdown has done to our economy. We're seeing it now. Okay, we're seeing the beginning of it now. And you're talking about so many people have leveraged. I mean, I, I know you know as well as I do, people that have bought tractors and bought a bunch of farm equipment the long-term leases that they have on that and they're already feeling the crunch the economic crunch on that you know it doesn't matter how many sanctions we think that we're going to wage on another country we can't feed our population at a certain to a certain level and you know the the number one weed exporter in the world is russia and okay, we're, we're going to exclude you from everything and we're going to close you off even to the United Nations, which I think is uh, hilarious that we're going to exclude them from the United Nations. Okay, um, that that's probably not a good idea. How, that excludes you know, them also from the restrictions the United Nations puts on them. Exactly, just- exactly. I mean, I don't see how we come out of this uh unscathed especially here at home especially what i see them happening here at home is switching from this whole um anyone on the right who disagrees with with joe biden is a nazi they're going to switch it to anyone on the right who disagrees with joe biden is a russian spy and russia is our enemy and um man they're going to beat you with that stick so you need to be ready for that that's where the comm security comes in that's where that's where, you know, monitoring what you're doing and who you're who you're hanging out with and all that is going to become vital. Right. You got to make sure you're not uh, getting included in any of these nets uh, and you've got to prepare. Uh, nothing good is coming of this. Um, I, I watched that State of the Union. Um, first of all, I didn't know that that the Russians were fighting the Iranians in Ukraine. Uh, I find that interesting. <laughs> well, <laughs> president, I mean, vice president uh, Kamala Harris corrected that on the fly. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. Meanwhile, our our speaker of the house was rubbing her knuckles together with this weird look on her face. I, I don't know what that was all about. She was stoned out of her mind. <laughs> oh yeah, she was messed up, messed up. God, there's, but, but there's no I'll way you, she was. They they announce all these things that are just unrealistic, and are only going to drive America further over the edge. You can't tell me that. In this current economic situation, raising the minimum wage to $15 is a good idea, no. right? Um, you, you're going to put everyone out of business who isn't already. And, and for the record, you already can't hire people at $20 an hour. So that's really a symbolic move anyway. Uh, it's just going to put people out of work who were working. Uh, I don't uh, I don't grasp. The, I mean, the only way that any of this makes any sense, really, is when you acknowledge that they really just want to destroy America. And, and I hate to be that way because uh, because, you know, we're not Alex Jones here, but but that does seem to be the route they're on. Well, I mean, you just call it for what it is. You know, if again, this isn't doom porn. I, I mean, just, just look at it objectively, look at it on its face. And yep. we see, you know, everything seems to be coming apart at the seams. I think personally, you know, 
of course, we've all seen the documentaries and, you know, global design to destroy America and all that stuff. Um, I am not, you know, I've drawn a lot of heat for this over the years. I'm not a tinfoil hat kind of guy. I just look at stuff, you know, as for what it is and understanding that, that the power elite at the top, I use that term a lot because it's not conspiratorial at all to say that, you know, all right, so you and I graduate from Princeton or Yale or, you know, Harvard, and we, you know, we're all ring knockers together because I know your experience in the Marine Corps, you knew plenty of officers that came from Annapolis. Same with oh, yeah. me. You know, you, you had the West Pointers, and it was like that ring got them a certain level of guaranteed success. Now, if they screwed right. it up, they would kind of plateau somewhere. But having that ring being part of the inner circle of something kind of kind of got you a leg up. And that's why I call it, you know, it, it's it's the power elite. We have certain rings that, you know, you're, you're you've got a glass ceiling where you're going to kind of plateau. This is something that um, uh, Dick Marcinko, the, the founder of SEAL Team 6 in his books, he talked about, you know, he, he was a Mustang and came up as a uh, enlisted sailor and then, you know, um, became an officer and that he plateaued as a commander. He would never go higher than being a commander, um, which, you know, in, in, in uh, Army, Marine Corps, Air Force, Lieutenant Colonel. But you, you're never going to go any higher than that. He said, because I'm not part of the Annapolis Club. I'm, I, you know, I didn't go to the Naval Academy, and that, that's just where I'm going to you know, plateau. Yeah. yeah, the power elite's the exact same. The, the people who inhabit the highest echelons of governance, you start to really put it together. I mean, you know, uh, George Carlin put it best, man. They're in a club, and you and I, we ain't in it. Um, and it doesn't matter how much education you get, where you get it. It doesn't matter if you're not initiated into that club. That's why our presidents all go hang out at Martha's Vineyard. Um, you know, th there's there's that whole infrastructure back there. I honestly think that they they don't want to destroy America, but they painted themselves into a corner. They don't know really exactly what it is they're doing they don't see the ramifications of their actions because they've got i mean when you come up and everybody tells you how great you are all the time and nobody yeah. ever is like hey you know you might have to do a little bit better on this or maybe this isn't really that great and they look down at all of us like we're you know we're we're the flyover people we're the you know we're the people that don't really matter the useless eaters like uh klaus schwab calls all of us right when you start right. to put all that together, then you see the bigger picture. I honestly think that they don't know what the next step is. I think that you know, the, the elitist thing is, is where we get this dumb stuff that we're hearing now about. We all have to change the way we pronounce Kiev. Okay. This yeah. Kiev thing that they're talking about, I don't even know where that came from. Because if you talk to someone from Ukraine, they call it Kiev. Kiev. I mean, yeah. Right. It's I refuse so dumb, to say Kiev. It's it. Exactly. I, I, and I, like I said, man, I know people from Ukraine. I have yeah. never heard this Kiev crap. I don't, I don't know where, but this is newspeak. You know, this is Orwellian newspeak. Well, and that's it. They think they're the elites, so they're right and you're wrong. And it's just no other way. And it's like, that's just dumb. Oh, I don't even know, man. <laughs> like, and, 
And now I'm depressed. But yeah, now you got me all worked up. I got I gotta go I gotta I gotta go load some ammo or something. Um hey, blood pressure's up. Interview's <laughs> over. Do it Adam Stone style. It's all on record. It's all on record. But that <laughs> that reminds me though, um, while we're on the topic. I've got a lot of people asking me uh, about this Michigan course. It is still on, correct? Oh, 100%. 100%. So, we, for all the listeners out there, um, class in Michigan, uh, week-long RTO, advanced RTO, and signals intelligence course. So you're going to get to spend six days out in the bush. We're going to be in central Michigan. You can email me for more details on that. It is 100% happening come hell or high water um and i am driving up to the course as well i know i'm looking forward to it i have uh as of yet in my life i have not been to michigan proper uh so oh, i'm looking forward to it it's a new state well, to check off famous the map. In central michigan because i would take you up to my northern fob in northern michigan and we get deep yeah. in the woods and uh, you know where, where where the bears and the lynx and the bobcats live and and have some fun, but um, it's gonna look good. And, and a bunch of guys have been asking me about it. So guys, yes, be prepared to live in the in the field. That's one of the biggest problems and shortfalls that we have on people on our side. Nobody wants to be uncomfortable. Guess what? You about to get uncomfortable whether you want <laughs> to be or not. So you might as well get used to it. So just coming off of the Tennessee course, you know, it was six days. And it poured raining for most of that time. I think we had we had one day where it didn't rain, like a like a 24 hour block where it did not rain. These guys were slogging around in red mud, um, you know, that 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 nasty East Tennessee, like just red mud, man, dies everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it just is what it is, it, you know, but, but they all they all slogged it out. They all stuck around. It was it, it was a great experience. You know, I mean, a lot of dudes didn't have a shower for the entire time they were out there, you know, myself included. But you got to be I mean, I know that for some people, they, they're reeling from that like, oh, my, oh no. Uh, but. Hey, I mean, how do you expect to do it when stuff goes live, man? You you ain't always got that hot shower. I, I mean, living on a patrol base, living on a small fob, um, you know, for for a little over three years of my life, man. Yeah. You might go thirty days without a shower. It sucks. You don't want to do it. You know, nobody chooses to do that, but it's just one of the things. It happens. You got to deal with. Yep. Sometimes you got to deal with it. And you know what? That's one of our biggest problems. I keep saying it all the time. Our guys are so comfortable on the couch. They don't want to get out and train for real. They they call it training, but they'll go and camp for, for an overnight and they'll have a big barbecue and they'll talk for a little bit in the morning, shoot a couple hundred rounds and go home. That's not training. That's just hanging out. You right. got to get out, get dirty for a long time uh, and, and, and live the way you're really going to live. As otherwise, here's the thing. You have to acclimate yourself to it now. I talk about this a lot in my books and on you know, my website. Acclimate yourself to it now because you're not going to get a choice, and you can't just give up, right? You can't yeah. start like, nah, I just want to go back to watching Netflix, dude. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I, 
I just want to go back to watching Netflix. All, all this, all this stuff seemed so much cooler when I was doing it on uh, playing Modern Warfare. Or, or it was way know, cooler when I was a when I was a Twitter warrior, telling everybody what I was gonna do. Now I have to do it. Oh man. Uh, you know, man. On that note, that that was that, that's actually a real good segue into the next thing I was gonna ask you about because. You know, you're real active on the social media front and everything. And um, there, there is this whole army of of dyed-in-the-wool leftists, man, who are all chomping at the bit to go over to Ukraine. You know, you, you've got Reddit. Uh, Reddit has a whole subreddit, uh, you know, r slash volunteers for Ukraine. Uh, I wrote a piece a couple of days ago about, you know, cue the new international brigade talking about how this this is the next generation of leftists because you had you know Syria gave us Antifa 1.0. I've well documented that in the past. Um how that well, came to be that's what we say that but that is 100 percent true. Yep. You are spot on. Yep. This sorry, is but, gonna give us Antifa 2.0. Yeah. And, and you know what's funny is just about two hours ago the Russian Ministry of Defense announced that foreign fighters will not be treated in accordance uh, with the Geneva Conventions. Because guess what? You don't have to be. You are you technically don't have to be. Combat. Yeah. Yep. And um, what's funny is they keep using that phrase foreign fighter. Um, well, you and I both know what happens when you come home from one of those as an American. Guess who starts following you around everywhere you go? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security, because you were a foreign fighter. They're not going to care that it was in Ukraine. They're going to put you on a list and they're going to follow you around and you're going to have a hard time buying a gun. You're going to have a hard time getting a job. Uh, Max Morton uh, from Ford Observer was on our show the other morning and he talked about this. He goes, this is a wet dream for DHS. They're going to get all the Antifa guys to want to go over there. And then when they come back, they're going to know exactly who everyone is and they're going to start tracking them. And, and, um, and it, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll offer a caveat to that. I, I would say in a perfect world, yeah, absolutely they would. But man, given given what we've seen, yeah, you're right. You're the past right. five years, because let's just put it like this, man. I don't have a whole lot of faith in the FBI and in their their ability to successfully prosecute real crimes. Um, yeah, I mean, man, like take into account Michigan. You know, you're stomping grounds. We talked about last time I had you on the podcast and we talked about, um, you know, this whole ridiculous Whitmer kidnapping plot, which is just stupid on its face. It's just these guys that participated in that were complete retards. They were uh, they were being coached along by an FBI agent, like an actual badged agent who. You know, he's taking his wife to swingers parties and she's not down with it. So he beats her um, and, and gets rolled up for that. I mean, you can you could sit and say that all this stuff is isolated, but it's not, man. When when they let me, named, that whole thought, let me carry that thought a step further. Every one of those guys, when we did the research, when that happened, a bunch of us got together, started digging into their social media histories and all that. Guess yeah. which side they all lean towards. The they were all Black Lives Matter protests. They were all at Antifa protests, and and they're not what they were painted out to be. And right. uh, it's just it's just crazy. And 
like you pointed out, they're they're borderline retarded. The uh, yeah. the leader was literally homeless, uh, living in somebody's basement. I mean, seriously, this was this was <laughs> this was set up by the FBI front to yeah. back. And when the guys tried to say no, the FBI overcame their objections. Well, we don't have the money. Hey, I got twenty thousand dollars. I'll donate to this. Well, we don't have anybody who'll make explosives. Hey, I got an explosives guy. Let's go cro- travel yeah. across state lines to meet him. It's just, and it's just it's just dumb. It's dumb. You know, when when well, I mean on his face, man, if you're if your leader is homeless, okay, let's address that first. Is that somebody <laughs> you really want to follow? I mean, yeah, I don't think so. Um now that being said, I've been I've encountered plenty of people on the right over the years too that, you know, oh follow me, I'm the leader. And it's like, well, you you live in a trailer, you know, nothing against people living in a trailer, but You've made some you've made some obviously bad decisions in life. You don't say you don't seem like or sound like a sound decision maker that that I am going to pay much attention to. Um, just saying it, it's just just one of those litmus. I ain't saying you got to be a millionaire to be in charge. But same time, it, it's like, uh, you know, you ain't the smartest dude in the world. Something's not adding up. But so to a larger point, though, about you can't run a revolution. Right. right. Nah, <laughs> man. But the other thing, too, is that with talking about the FBI, they don't really have a successful track record of prosecuting crimes against Antifa. Um, they, they haven't. Name name one person who was throwing IDs, literally throwing IDs at the federal courthouse in Portland that's been prosecuted, that's been successfully None. prosecuted. None. None. And you can't tell me that at that level, with however many people that they had out there, which was a huge number, that they couldn't just snatch up somebody from that and at least prosecute one person. Even like they're all guilty as hell out there, but you you couldn't just get one guy on a sedition charge. I mean, and and I'll tell you, everyone wants to point at the two they the two they picked up for the train thing and say, see, look, they are. That train case came from the railroad police forces, which are actually private companies. It didn't yep. come from them. So. Yep. It's man. It, I mean. So, moral of the story: I, I don't have a huge amount of faith in in their hierarchy. Um, right. Not at all. It and so I mean, yeah, they they might be tracking these guys, but look at who's actively encouraging people to go to Ukraine. Look at who's you know out there at all levels of governance that are that are actively fomenting this stuff. I mean, I I, I am highly skeptical at best. We'll just put it like well, that. Well, and what bothers me even more is that at the same time we're encouraging these people to go there. And, and really, we watched a video of one of them going the other day from England. And I was like, that dude is going to be dead within six hours. Like, he had no plan. He was just going to cross in over Poland and go find some unit and teach them how to use anti- uh, aircraft missiles. Good luck. You'll be dead in six hours. But uh, at the same time, the rocket scientists that we have in the in, in the Congress are trying to draft resolutions about no-fly zones, and that's just absolutely ridiculous on its face. And that's how this thing expands. There's really no way that they're going to contain this war within Ukraine. No. Well, real quick, with just a few minutes left on the clock. You know, shifting gears back to domestic policy, where that intersects everything we've been talking about, how it intersects here at home. What's to say that Russia 
who is uh, who has a very uh, substantial working agreement with China, and they are on the verge of formalizing an alliance as well. This is something that Western media hasn't talked much about, but you know, you brought up CSTO the yep. last time that we talked, which is a huge deal. It's something that nobody's really talking about out there in the media, but we talked about it. Um, China and Russia are getting ready to formalize their ties with one another uh, because they've, they've been getting tight and yep. both of them are making moves. What's to say because of their amount of um, influence and hegemony that they have wielded over South and Central America. Uh, I mean, they're, they're literally running the show down there right now. And where are all of the people who are coming up through the border? They're here. Oh, yeah. They're coming here. What's to say that they don't activate their fifth column? They don't activate at least some portion of the people who have come up here who are trained Dude, guerrilla it is, fighters. It is, it's awesome to hear you say that because uh, one of my buddies, and he's on the show with me, Mark Sibley, he wrote the book Mongol Moon. And Mongol Moon is a book about the Chinese invading the U.S. And they didn't actually have to stage an invasion because there were already millions of fighting age Chinese men here. Right. Yep. Um, we always talk about illegal um, border crossers and everyone assumes that they're all South and Central American. They're not. There's a lot of Chinese and they come in on boats from in Seattle and San Francisco. And, and 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 Mark points out that there are storage units all over the country. What does it take for one guy who is a legal U.S. citizen to buy a few guns and a whole bunch of food and stick it in a storage unit? And then these illegal, uh, whether they're Chinese, whether they're Nicaraguan, whether they're whatever, uh, to go to that storage unit and withdraw some ammo and withdraw some some food. So um, you're right. There is entirely a fifth column here. Um, we keep catching terrorists coming across that border. And wouldn't wouldn't South and Central America love to flip the script? Them suddenly get an influx of money from China so they can become big and powerful countries while America devolves into, into Balkans 2.0. That well, is Daniel really Ortega. game. Daniel Ortega, the leader of the Sandinistas and the current yep. president of Nicaragua, he's openly cheering it on. I mean, if if we were paying attention to the media that's coming out of Nicaragua, Honduras, Panama, Venezuela, Cuba, even if yeah. we were paying attention to anything that was coming out of there, out of those outlets, we'd see it. We'd see exactly. I mean, when when the uh, when the trucker protest was going on in Canada, you had the president of El Salvador say the real war is going on in the United States and Canada. It is. It is. And, pretty and pretty ballsy statement, man. Incidentally, last night in Taiwan, the power went out over about a third of the island. And the claim today is that it was a mechanical failure at one plant that caused cascade failures in the other. Now, that's believable. But is it believable in the current moment? No. It's believable, but not likely. <laughs> and and, and what, what would what would be the easiest way to tip America over the brink into full balkanization? Flip that light switch. Yep. Man. Yep. And I think it's coming, man. I think it's absolutely yeah, coming. And, you know, and, and, and when we say that, we're not, like you said before, we're not trying to be fear porn here and say, hey, oh, my God, you got to be scared. We're saying be smart. Right. Be smart and be ready. That's exactly right, man. It, it's people, you know, you and I don't do what we do because we're scared of something. 
we do what we do to be prepared for what comes down the road because we've been there, right? We've been there. We've we've seen the elephant, so to speak. Right on. But uh, closing in on the hour, brother, you know, Joe Delio, tacticalwisdom.com, your YouTube channel that you say you do a morning podcast on. Yeah, it's called Writers Fix Problems. Um, right problems. now we're doing yeah right right now we're doing every uh every day but we have a regular weekly show saturday nights at seven so uh it's it's, it's got about a thousand followers and uh well we're at nine something we want to get over a thousand but we talk for about two hours on on ukraine china anything that's going on currently and we've got um we've got a couple of army guys on there a couple cia guys um um there this morning we had three marines on there so we raised the class level of the show um and uh, <laughs> okay. once in a while there we get another on there. so it's good crayons stuff crayons were served as hors d'oeuvres yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely crayons are easier right the there man gotta do it i gotta do it <laughs> try the orange ones they don't taste like oranges though mm-hmm. anyway brother um dude always an honor to have you on uh oh it's i can't believe it's an hour already it just like it it goes so quick um yeah we always fun tacticalwisdom.com three volume set the tactical wisdom series i cannot recommend these books enough biblically based preparedness manuals for you and your posterity your family your community out there I'm telling you, if you don't have these books yet, what's wrong with you? You need to run out and get them. You can find them in the links down below in the show notes. You can get them over on Amazon as well. Joe Dolio, brother, thank you for being on here. Hey, thanks for having me again. All right, brother. God bless. This is NC Scout. We'll see you.